All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Manoush. It's Note to Self. We got a little uh, salty language going on in this one here. So if you've got kids in the car and you don't want them to hear certain four-letter words, yeah, just, you know, save this one for the jog by yourself. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and this is WNYC's Note to Self. Is this product serving me or hurting me? I want my technology to give me time to think. The show where you and I find balance in the digital age. Every other week, we have our segment, Question of Note. You ask a question, we find an answer. So I'm just wondering <laughs> what's the answer. Huh, so okay. I could use some help. Oh. This week's question comes from Marisa Gowdy in New Paltz, New York. She wrote in after our episode that was called There's Something About Paper. That was a few weeks back. That show was about how reading on paper is different for your brain than reading on a screen. But we got a lot of emails and questions, like Marisa's about writing. How are we writing differently? If we know that people are only going to be skimming something because it's appearing online, how are we writing? I think we still have to write with such a great degree of attention because you can't skim write, right? I'm just really eager to find out if other people are thinking about this too. Thanks so much, Manoush. Love your show. Marisa, the other day, I tried to help my eight-year-old handwrite some letters, and it felt so odd. Like, the sentences felt so formal and awkward and plodding. I mean, was it because I'm so used to the quick, snappy sentences that I use to write emails and texts? Is that how I express myself in writing now? We found various surveys where famous authors talk about why they think their writing has changed. And they mention everything from cut and paste to digital distraction. In answer to the question, has the digital age changed your process? Margaret Atwood simply answered, do chickens have beaks? So, yeah, writing is changing. Linguistic researchers say screens have changed how we simply put words together. Like, for example, now it's okay to end a sentence with the word but. Like, I'd like to explain the meaning of life, but... Period. But... It's a personal thing, right? Ask a million people and you'll get a million different perspectives on how his or her writing has been changed by digital tools and language trends. So for today's question of note, we've chosen just one author. My name is Joshua Cohen. He's got a new novel about exactly how the way we read changes the way we write. And the book is called Book of Numbers. 
The New York Times calls it more impressive than all but a few novels published so far this decade. No, it's really about the story of this guy who then kind of... We're going to get a little ivory tower on you this week. I do think that that notion of what is original with oneself... You could just, like, picture in your mind we're, like, wearing all black while we're talking in the studio and, like, occasionally puffing on e-cigarettes or something. Like, reference to archetype book journalists, like, to all my stupid little notes to myself. Here's the plot of Book of Numbers. A ghostwriter gets a job writing the memoirs of a big, famous tech entrepreneur. And he is struggling to write this book in large part because of the internet. Now, just to give people a sense of your tone, I'm going to ask you, I have the book right here. Would you mind reading the very first sentence? If you're reading this on a screen, fuck off. I'll only talk if I'm gripped with both hands. Okay. Well, first of all, what I loved about that, it was like the book was literally speaking to me. (laughs) And then it made me wonder, like, did that sum up your feelings about technology right now? No, no. This is not my perspective on technology. That sentence is there as a as a first sentence. If if you're someone who has no irony, you have you you have no sense of sarcasm or anything. And you read, you know, if you're reading this on a screen, fuck off, and you shut off your Kindle. Well, I mean, you know, not only <laughs> fine. It's it's. I mean, maybe you've already paid for the book. Maybe not. You know, I don't know if I've lost a sale. But but the point is, is that I think that you know you have then lost the ability to read. You have actually lost the ability to um, suspend judgment into a sentence to find out what this you know tone means and to find out what the author's intentions are behind it. I mean, this is big. One of the big problems with Twitter is that you know it offends everyone, right? <laughs> and it offends everyone because you don't have you lack really the the sub subcultural or social context that allow you to interpret language. You know, I'm reading it this on paper. It's a beautiful, mm. thick book. Yeah, it's heavy. So. The pages are crisp. Deckled pages. Yeah, you know? dude. Totally. That's right. That's right. But then you Hand see deckled. words like MSG for mm. message or TXT for like a text. Mm-hmm. There's even code written in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of disconcerting to see it. Did you mean to make us feel a little like weirded out by seeing those things in there, or was is that just like I, I, I the wanted, world we live in? Well, I wanted to. I mean, I wanted to put some elements of text there that that dissociated people maybe from what their idea of what would be in a book. But that was actually more directed toward the um, the second section of the book. And in that section, you see a lot of the ghostwriter's notes to himself. Right, you know, where he says maybe expand this section about his childhood. You know, explain this a little bit more. Sometimes he just says, "Fuck, I need to change that sentence. It's a horrible sentence." Right, and that sort of backstage, you know, annotated or or comments, mm-hmm. you know, within literature. Um, I wanted to bring comments within right, literature. That's right. so weird. Well that, well, that was the idea is that I wanted to bring in that apparatus into the novel because th- those are the things that the novelist is doing at home. Anyway, right? You know, there's the, the right. thing you're writing and then there's the notebook about the thing that you're writing. Is that what you're doing? Are you like Google searching everything? Like what, what did you do to write this book? What did you read to prepare? So a few, uh, you know, memoirs, most of them unpublished by, by people who worked at, at Xerox Park. a number of, of coding manuals. I, I taught myself some, you know, some, some more languages. Um, I read, I read a, a significant amount about like server architecture because I think that, the, the, that a writer – um, needs to know everything, 
right? And I think that one of the problems that, that sort of most writers face today where they feel that they face when they see technology is they're cowed by it. They don't have the – they feel like yeah. they don't have the apparatus to deal with it. And, well, and, I'm and, a humanities and, person. Right. Uh, I mean not only is that, is that fallacious and that sort of cowardly but, but I, I, I really do believe that the process that, that all sort of humanitarians, if you want to call them that, need to be engaged in is reclaiming the use of language – the changes of language, the changes of reading and the changes of writing from these technologists and say, you know, this is ours. These words are ours. We are the arbiters of the word. We are people who understand, you know, both its its weight and its worth. I mean, that seems like a good point to maybe go back to our listener's question about changing the way we write. Mm-hmm. Did you ever find that when you were writing like this, I don't know, that you were like skim writing or does writing take just as long as it ever did? Oh, it takes as long as I, yeah. I mean, these the sentences, um, I don't think I could have written them that quickly. Well, I mean, I think that there's an enormous amount of um, societal anxiety about what happens not only to writing. I mean, writers care about writing. Um, you know, readers care about reading. But really what happens to the idea of the immersive mental or emotional experience? I can really only speak to my own project with it, which is it, it really is a a reminder that um, words are like a human province, let's say, which means that the internet is very much, you know, a human project too. And so it's wanting to reclaim the word and to kind of enshrine at least one person's view of how we live now that can't be edited, can't be group edited, can't be annotated. I mean, you can write things in the margins, but I'll never see them, you know, right? And the idea that this is the work of kind of a single mind, whether it's a, you know, diseased mind or not, right. it's the work of a single mind. And, um, and it can't be, uh, uh, it's inherently not interactive. So any advice for our listeners who are also writers out there who are finding that the changing mediums, the, the way that we read is also not really helping them write better? Check your email once a day. It's the only advice I've ever had. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have a Kindle? Uh, no. No. Actually, they, I'm the book reviewer for Harper's Magazine, and they bought me a Kindle. If any listener would like to purchase a secondhand Kindle off of me, I really haven't opened the box. We can, we can talk, maybe. Great. Joshua Cohen, author of the Book of Numbers. What is like easy summer read, would you say this one is? Uh, you know, I guess <laughs> it's the worst easy summer read. I mean, summer should be hard. <laughs> Summer should be hard. Everyone should sweat. What a lovely, bitter, and twisted guy, right? Joshua Cohen says to write better in the digital age, check your email once a day. Don't buy into the idea that you should get everyone online commenting on or workshopping what you write. But don't be afraid to sprinkle in some less formal language into some more official places that you might write, like your business blog or that novel that you've been working on. We have put together a list of suggested summer reads from you, our listeners. Every book is about how technology is changing the way we live. You can find your Better Be Treed at notetoselfradio.org. Next week, The Bored and Brilliant Project is back. We've got a special vacation boot camp version of how to rethink your relationship with your phone and jumpstart your creativity. Subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss it. Yeah, boy, it's going to be awesome and short, too. 
Okay, unfortunately, I have to leave you now with some sad news here at Note to Self. Senior producer Alex Goldmark is moving on. He's going to Planet Money at NPR. Lucky them. We leave you now with a montage of Alex's most memorable and embarrassing moments on the show. You'll hear why we will miss him so, so much. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and this is Note to Self. Hi, Manoush. I got a new idea for a show. And then a can guy we, walking. We, it's not a helmet. It's a baseball hat. It's not like a... It's a I'm, helmet. It looks like a helmet. Oh, on yours, it does kind of look like a bike helmet. <laughs> on mine, it looks just like a bike hat. Oh, look, it's telling me to be interesting with you. Was Edward Snowden a client of yours? Uh, from what I understand, he was. I'm just reading in the media. Right, but you wouldn't even know that. Well, if I did, I wouldn't be able to confirm it. So sometimes during the day, I'll admit it to the radio... I'll text you things like, I love you. And I thought I'd make it pretty easy for the city, bringing in a stack of photos with circles and arrows and a paragraph on the back of each one. Okay, so I was a little confused by the skull. Alex? (laughs) I think you need to face it. You're kind of a geek. You're a transportation geek. Yeah, you could say that. I will spend the hours, okay? Will you give me a deal that, like, I can give it to you in an Excel spreadsheet? Give me 50 and we'll talk. (laughs) Give me your best 50 derelicts and we'll talk. Can I ask you a question while we ride? Do you ride often or is this a special scenario? I see you got a flashlight there in your basket. This is a special scenario, only for Sandy. What about people like my mom who don't have a smartphone? Does your mom text? Yes, she okay. does, actually. Texting. We're working towards, and we have on some bus lines here The already. police showed up, and they treated the intersection as a crime scene. They talked to the three people in the car, but nobody else on the street, even though many of them called 911. I'm Alex Goldmark, on a bike. Damn. I missed the bus. I'm in the wrong town. <sighs> Your original words that keep you from the hundred perfect score are, and they were friends forever and lived happily ever after, which apparently exists nowhere on the internet in that form. Straight from my brain, first time ever, I went and Googled it just now with quotes around it, zero results. You heard it here first, folks, right? I got the touch. <laughs> and the rest will have to wait. For WNYC, I'm Alex Goldmark.